God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Hey, child, listen, let me tell you something. I don't know what happens to me when the Woman Evolved podcast is in season, but it just shifts something in my spirit, knowing that I'm going to have this time with my girls. Uh, Rena Hankins just says, sis, Detroit is sold out. Detroit was sold out, but Detroit found a way for us to add more seats. So Detroit is still... Uh, available. There are a few more seats left. If you're wondering what she's talking about, she's talking about the Woman Evolve Night in the Wild Tour. That is where we will be having this girl time up close and impersonal. And yes, there is still room in Detroit. Okay. Toya says, you look like shenanigans. Wait and have a child. Let me tell you, child. First of all, if you are listening on this podcast, how are you doing? How was your day? Are you drinking your water? Is your business being minded? Is it being minded by you and you alone or are other people in the, in your business? Can we excuse them on out of your business? Okay, have you been eating your vegetables? Did you need to eat carbs? Listen, this is a judgment-free zone. You are being joined by the Woman Evolved delegation. That is all of us around the world who are just out here trying to live our best life, stay moisturized, hydrated, and let people stay away from our last nerve. I am being joined from with my girls from literally all over the world. I got a special shout out to make sure that I said hello to Trinidad, Tobago, and Jamaica. Hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? We international, baby. Brooklyn is in the building. How are you? What's up? Karen says, been refreshing the Facebook page since 2 p.m. Hey, auntie, missed you all week. I missed y'all too. You know what is hilarious to me that y'all call me auntie and cousin and sister? It's just amazing. Tampa, Florida is in the house. South Carolina, what it be like? Rashad says it. Um, she wants to know, did she miss the tour of the office? You did not miss the tour of the office. I just am waiting to have a woman evolve sign put in the front so that I can be like actually official. And then I'm going to give y'all a tour because y'all saw it. I posted some videos when it was toe up from the floor. Up, okay. Stephanie says, are you going to come anywhere near Pensacola or are your dates all set already? We are going to have a second leg of the tour in October and hopefully we will be able to add some Florida and some more East Coast dates. What's up? Well, the UK is in the building. Sharon says, I'm still trying to do this keto, trying to lose what I gained over Christmas. You know, let me tell you what has been liberating for me in these last and evil days. I took my scale and put it in the top of my husband's closet. Now, um, I've been working out. I've been drinking my shakes. I've been staying away from the white carbs and fried food and sugar, um, except for I was in Miami this weekend and things went downhill quickly. I had no control. But here's the thing. Um, Not getting on that scale has done something in my spirit. I used to like getting on the scale when I was losing weight. And then when that number started climbing going up, I said, I don't need this negativity in my life. So I put the scale away. And you know what? It feels a lot more healthy for me because I just go by how I feel. And um, I feel good. And I think there's an excitement maybe for next time I step on the scale to just see where things are. But listen... 
Losing weight is a struggle. I could not do keto because, okay, fine, I don't need to eat white carbs, but can I have some brown rice? Um, Can I have some fruit? And so I can't mess with keto, but more power to you on the struggle, okay? Cassandra Allen says, yes, mind your business. Ministries are in effect. Hear ye, hear ye. Mind your business. Ministries is adjourning this meeting. Not yet. We're not adjourning. What we say when we start in our meetings, can somebody who went to college let me know? Commencing. Okay, that's what this meeting of the delegation is commencing. Okay, grab your voting paddles. We have things to talk about. Someone says that they lost 10 pounds and celebrated by drinking a Pepsi. And that's why we're friends because when I lose weight, I celebrate by eating carbs. Okay. Genesis, the battery in mine died and it's now just a feature in the bathroom. And good for you. There's a word in that because if you don't remove it, it'll die. Uh, Put your finger in the air and catch this word before it passes. I feel it is coming. It's breezing on by. Because you did not remove the scale, the scale had to die because one way or another, we're going to get this negativity out of your life. That just helps somebody. Somebody has been wondering what happened to that friendship. Nothing happened to it. The battery just died because you wouldn't cut it off. Did that work? Megan Yancey says she's drinking her water, minding her business, skin clearing up, and weight is dropping. Come on and serve us goals up in here. Let's see. What what else? What is y'all doing? And Can I tell y'all something? The gentlemen are a part of the delegation. I've seen it for myself, okay? I have been places where the fellas come up to me and they say things. One fella told me that they went and tried Orange Theory and they did not enjoy it. And that's how we know that they are a part of the delegation too, Okay. Jasmine Elaine says, why I've been working out and still the same pounds I was. I've been going hard in the gym and eating clean. And that's why you need to throw the scale away because allegedly they want to hit you with this, you gain a muscle, not weight. You know, it's going to be inches, ignore it and all this stuff where your body is swollen from the inflammation of going hard in the gym. Girl, just get rid of the scale. And I put my scale in my husband's closet, one, because um, he don't even know what's in there. But I put it at the top of his closet because I knew that if I went in there to get the scale that I would have to really do some, you know, maneuver and I'd have to be salt, basically. Salt. You, y'all seen that movie, Salt, with Angelina Jolie? So I put it in there while he was gone. And because he, my husband's all like, love your body and it doesn't matter how much you weigh and all of those things that we want to hear. But um, I know that if I told him that I was struggling with looking at my weight, that he would just be a guard over the scale. And so I moved it. How about that? Danielle says, I'm living life and putting Lowry's on my scrambled eggs. Do you do you want to bring that into 2019, Danielle? After all we went through to walk through forgiveness in our hearts, you want to bring up Lowry's on eggs again? That's all right. I'm not going to fall for it. Vanilla says, I've been drinking Herbalife teas and smoothies, and they're great. Been doing it for a couple of days, and I feel a huge... Can I tell y'all something? And don't nobody pay me to say this. And um, I'm not sure... Because I know y'all are all, you know, doctors and practitioners and stuff. So I don't even know what y'all gonna think about this. But I drink Herbalife shakes for breakfast religiously. And I drink the tea and the aloe religiously. Like I do. I love it. I'm not a big breakfast person in general. So like I don't need to eat anything heavy for breakfast. So for me, let me tell you, I get that cookies and cream Um the little formula cookies and cream thing. And then I get the peanut butter cookie protein. And then I still put some peanut butter in mine and I use almond milk and I start my day off right, okay? Twanta says, the scale is a deceiver. Yes, it is. It's a lie and the truth is nowhere in it. How about that? 
Uh, Karen says, can't lie, I considered relocating to either Denver or LA this week because these YouTube videos be having me jumping right through the computer screen. Child, I love you. And you got a home wherever we are. Make sure you got your ducks in a row. I want I want you to be wise when you move. But let me tell you, if you want some of this anointing, we got some for you. Okay, listen, listen. Um, oh, Winnie says, I'm just here to hear what you got to say about Brother Draco, AKO, aka Soldier Boy. Listen, I'm glad you brought that up because I was having a hard time finding folks to rescue. And okay, let's just get into it. Rescue Eve, Saints. Okay, are you ready? Do y'all have y'all's life jackets? Did anybody bring their gas card? This is what we're going to do, okay? So we are going to rescue some people. You may be saying to yourself, what does that mean, rescue? I'm new to the delegation. Someone fill me in. Rescue Eve is when we take a moment and see someone who has been cutting up, if you will, in the news. They've been cutting up in the culture. They've been cutting up. And instead of penalizing them and dragging them the way so many other people are, we try to show a little grace, okay? We call it rescuing Eve because our girl Eve in the Bible did some things. She knew better, but didn't do better. But we show grace to her because we all know what it's like to know better, but not do better. So rescue Eve, all right? Um, There is a young man by the name of soldier boy. For those of you all unfamiliar with this gentleman, soldier boy is a rapper. Um, soldier boy is a rapper who, uh, who gave us a few hits. Um, I am a child of the 90s to 2000s. And so I grew up listening to some of this music. There, there are so many things that have happened lately. Um, but this is what I want to say. You, There's been a few things. I think he may have said that he had like the greatest comeback of all time. Um, we've got an issue with the headband. There, there are a few things happening in, happening in his life. And, you know... Um, you can tell I'm trying to really help mine because I got on my good AT&T voice. Um, so, so here's the thing about Soldier Boy and some of the things that he's been doing that has been problematic for us as the culture. But what I think we should take into um, consideration is that Soldier Boy really exhibits a level of confidence that we could really all aspire to. And I just, I just want to um, perhaps submit for consideration that um, there's some confidence there. And um, I just want to know, is the delegation willing to consider there being um, some confidence there? See, and let me tell you, um, unfortunately, I get a lot of my news from the shade room. And, and I say unfortunately because I recognize the wrongery in all of this. Um, I need to, I need to understand exactly what's happening with um, Soldier Boy, Soldier Deacon, Soldier Boy. Can someone help me? Can I tell y'all? Sometimes there are moments when I am on the shade room, and um, I don't know who they're talking about. 
Am I becoming the old chick in the club? I don't know. Um, I be in there. There's people, Ari's and G Herbo's, Herbo's. I don't know if he's like, do you say Herb or Herb? I don't know how he pronounces his life. Um, can y'all help me? Um, Arkeisha says, Soulja Boy is getting saved regardless. He sung, turned my swag on, and that got my got me ready for the club in my 20s. And if we are going to bring up things from the past, I mean, turn my swag on, I think, had a run even in some youth ministries and, you know, hopped about the bed, turned my swag on, took a look in the mirror and said, what's up? Um, and then I'm getting money. And by money, maybe he needs, means Holy Ghost. I'm not sure. We need to switch that those words around and we can bring that thing into 2019. Vanya says, um, Soldier Boy is so goofy. He can get saved because of his silliness. He's the type you really can't get mad at because he's like 15. Yeah, I mean, Jaquita says, yes, yet yeah, we the chaperone age in the group club these days. When I tell you I'm on the chaperone duty, I be trying to... I'm, I just don't be knowing what's really going on for real. Cara says, can we rescue him so he can help us all gain confidence like his? What I do want to say is, like I said before, in the level of confidence that is being displayed here, I think we have to at least say, you know what? Even if the presentation and the delivery could come off a little bit better, there's a lot of confidence in what you're saying. Some of us have good sense. I mean, good grandmama, old soul sense and keep it down on the inside because we don't have no delivery. And we letting these fools have microphones. And I want to rebuke that spirit in this year of our Lord, 2019. You better unleash that grandma's sense that's down on the inside of you. You got all these fools with microphones talking about what is right and what is wrong. And you know the truth and you just keeping it on the inside. Okay. Can y'all help me? Aaliyah just blessed me. She says, I'm 20 and I don't know half those people. When I tell you, I don't know. I don't know. I be asking my kids, like, listen, I have to do this podcast. Who is who is Ari and G Herbert? Can y'all help me with this? I, I don't understand. Jay Cox says, you got to follow the breakfast. Club. Let me, girl. Okay, because y'all said it, I'm going to go and do it. I'm doing it right now because I'm obedient. And you got to do what the Lord says do when the Lord say do it. I think that that's, there's some wisdom in that. Because the shade room don't give you half the story, and then you got to go in there and read the rest of the story. And I just need to know right now what is being said. I am going to go on and follow the Breakfast Club because I can get some direct quotes and thing, things. Thank you for that word of wisdom. Okay, Spence says, go ahead and save the young fella. Listen, sounds like they that the, that we're going to be able to save them. Okay, Um Brittany says, gas price is going down, so I'm going to save him. Plus, he was dropping gems with them receipts. Sound like the saints are here for some saving. Cassandra says, if you on chaperone duty, then I must be home in my bed by 8 p.m. like a senior citizen. Child, when I tell you I'm trying to hang on to God's unchanging hand, you know what I think it is. Let me tell you what I think it is. I think I done messed around and got too many bills to care. Oof. I felt glory on that. Um... Sometimes during certain times of the month, you just have too many bills to care about what's happening the way you can care most of the time, okay? But it sounds like they're going to save him. Alexandra Key says, some people we just don't need to know, sis, trust me. Well, tell me, just tell me you don't need to know him. And that sounds like I don't need to know them. Okay, Alexander said the same thing. There's a reason you don't know them. When I say don't know them, I mean don't know them. But it sounds like that young man, soldier boy, Soldier Boy is going to be able to get a rescue. And I am glad about that. 
Um, okay, so can I tell you guys, I would like us to start a new tradition. And I'm going to need your cooperation in order for us to make this thing work, okay? Um, hear ye, hear ye, bring all of your attention, okay? Grab your tea, tell the kids to be quiet for a minute, I'm talking, dang, okay? Listen, this is what we need to do. Can we start submitting moments in our life where we needed to be rescued? Last week, I had a very emotional episode, and I just want to thank y'all for loving on me and just helping me get past my moment. I love y'all so much. Um, but this spawned something that I really think could really become a thing amongst the delegation. Someone sent me a DM after that episode and decided that since I was sharing in my need of being rescued, that she too would share with me a moment where she needed to rescue she starts off her letter by saying, um, I want to submit myself for Rescue Eve. And I think this is a phenomenal idea, okay? A phenomenal idea. Because you know what? I know y'all be out here living your life like it's golden, but sometimes you live your life like it might be a little tarnished. And every now and then you got to reshine that thing so it can get back to the gold that God has called it to be. You see how I just took that word and that Jill Scott and mixed it all up in there together? Okay, so here's the thing. I think that we can help one another if we do this. And her story tickled me so greatly that I want to share it with the delegation and see if we can rescue her. Now, this is what I do want to say. This does not replace the advice column. We still going to have advice questions, but um, I want to I wanna help us, okay? So here we are. Okay, you guys ready? This person wrote me and it says, you're my mentor in my head. I want to submit myself for Rescue Eve. In December, a girl I had met in a fashion show asked me if she could stay in my apartment for another fashion show she was going to be a part of. I hate having people sleep over, especially people I don't know well, but I said yes for one night. Long story short, she flew in from ATL a day early called me to pick her up from LAX, which I had not intended on doing, and I brought her to my place. As soon as she got there, she started unpacking and asking me if she could stay the entire month. I asked her to try and find another place. The next day, I realized I really didn't like her character, so I drove her in her bags to downtown LA and said, I can't do this, and left her there. I feel terrible. How could I have handled this better? Send the helicopter. Love your mentee. Um, this is what I want to say. Um, first of all, child, wow. How were you able to drive her to downtown? I mean, in my head, I would have said to myself, um, I'm going to drive her downtown and leave her bags. She fooling with me. She thinks she's going to stay in my house for a month. I would have said all of that in my head. But when it was time to actually turn the car on, I would have struggled. Am I a punk? When I read your thing, it made me wonder if I was a punk. Um, because I just can't imagine the, 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 uh, the strength that you have to be able to just do that. Um, and, and, you know... 
did you do the right thing? Could it have been handled better? I think communication, and this is how I would have handled it. Now, then I'm going to ask the delegation, and we're going to move on to our next rescue. But first of all, I want you to know this is a judgment-free zone. We all love you, and we're here to support you through this ratchet season you went through, this ratchet moment. We're here for you, and we want to help you get from ratchet to righteousness. Um Sasha Welsh said, call an Uber. I'm not driving nowhere. She brings up a great point. When the, then when the young precious lamb of God um, called me and said that she was at LAX, I would have told her, you're going to need to get an Uber. I just, first of all, gas. Secondly, you don't just decide to go to LAX. You have to become someone mentally to go to LAX. And you don't just tell me I got to, you got to become someone mentally to go to the airport, period. All these things, signs, which airline, departures and arrivals is too much. I got to become somebody to go to the airport. So you don't just spring that on me. So she would have called an Uber. Um, maybe perhaps um that would have been an opportunity for her to realize that I ain't gonna be able to just pop up on her like that. I'm gonna have to really ease my way in to this. Um, would I have taken, I don't think that I could have taken, well, I don't know. Delegation, I need you. Tay Turner says, close your eyes and say it. I can't imagine even telling her she could stay. Um, I can't. First of all, I'm really particular about my house and I don't let a lot of people stay with me. Um, Ruthie says she gets a rescued she gets a rescue, says, handled quite maturely. She be my role model. She, on one hand, she is my role model, but I'm just wondering, can we just drop people off downtown and say, you tried it? Can we, are we allowed to do that? Yolanda says, rescue her, because that was the appropriate response. The delegation is cold-hearted. <laughs> Leslie says, an Uber in a hotel room, if I hardly know you, staying at my house is not an option. Erica says we're sending the jet for her boldness. That's Erica, sis. You talking about I'm your mentor. I need you to be my mentor because I am a punk. I would have had all kinds of rumbling and grumbling in my head. But could I actually take someone downtown and leave them? Now, what I can do is sit you down and say, this isn't working out. And you're going to need to make other arrangements first thing in the morning. Or right now, I could say either of those. Either of those things I can do. You know, when you got to get out of my house, you got to get out of my house. And nothing will get you kicked. Let me tell y'all some delegation, because we friends in our head, and I know one day we're going to be kicking it. Let me tell you something. Nothing will get you kicked out of my house faster than changing the atmosphere. If you got an attitude and you don't feel like being bothered, don't come over to my house. Because if you come over to my house and it's then gone from room temperature to cold in here, I'm going to have a problem with it. You're going to have to find somewhere else to go. So I can completely understand kicking her out because she changed the temperature in your home. I like my house a certain temperature and you in here messing with it. But, but... I don't know that I could have just thrown her out. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I would have had a conversation. Arkeisha says, let's get that baby a private jet, put her in first class, a butler to dry her off and give her lobster, shrimp, and a glass of Chardonnay. Arkeisha says, we're pulling out all the stops because, because this is phenomenal. It's, it's more inspiring than Soldier Boy. And I didn't think, those are words that I didn't think I would ever say in my entire life. But wow, this is more inspiring than Soldier Boy. Jaleesa says, nah, man, strangers, my friends never even saw my last home and I lived there for a year. Well, Jaleesa, <laughs> Jaleesa, we need to talk in the advice 
segment about your trust issues because we want to come over. They want to, um, evidently the delegation says that you're fine and that you don't need to be rescued, but rather you need to be Hail Mary. So there's that. Cameron says, I would have let her stay at least one night to give her a moment to find someone else and then come morning if you don't have a plane, it's an Uber. That's where about that's about where I fall. Rosie says, sounds like she had the right intent slash heart, but if homegirl was acting funny out of character, then she was in full authority to get her out of her space. Well, there it is. Karen says, PT would have handled it for you. Trust. Let me tell you something about PT. Uh, that PT is what we call my husband, Teray, Pastor Teray. Let me tell you, PT will kick somebody out. Let me tell you, but he comes from a long line of kick people out because his grandma, Betty, comes over for Thanksgiving. And when she she looks at me and she goes, you ready for these people to leave? And she will cut the lights off in the middle of y'all laughing and watching the game. She will unplug the TV and turn the lights off. I think maybe I got too much of my mother down in me because for some reason, I don't turn that corner like that, like I need to. Lexis Shaw says, forget all that talking because she made up a conversation in her head. She did the right thing. Sis had to go. Well, there it is. There it is. How about that? So I guess she, girl, you rescued. I hope you, I hope we can rescue some more people. The delegation is here for it. Patrice says, I would have taken that as disrespectful. So yeah, there could have been a better way, but she is worth being rude. Okay. Well, there it is. So I think the real lesson for us is um, to be more like you. All right, let's move on to our next rescue because that one, beautiful. Okay, so Aisha Curry. Aisha Curry is one of my rescues. She This came across my desk. A member of the delegation, Jamie, sent this to me. Jamie said, we need to talk about this because a lot of people don't get it. Okay, so just so you all know, uh, she was having an interview and they asked her, let me just read y'all the story, okay? She was talking to Hello Giggles. And Curry is opening up about how she's been able to maintain her decade-long relationship with the NBA superstar, all while keeping her hands in her own business and taking care of her children. In fact, according to Curry, her parents and in-laws gave her the best advice on how to keep the fire burning in their relationship. And that is always put their relationship first. She is quoted as saying, the biggest thing both of our parents are still married and have been for 30 plus years. And the one thing that they both shared with us, some through learning it the hard way, some through just making sure that they do it, is just making sure that we put each other first, even before the kids, as tough as that sounds. Now, when I saw this story, I I didn't think that it was anything wrong with it, I guess, until I saw some of the comments. And evidently, people thought there was something wrong with what she said. And let let me just tell y'all something about that. You know, let me tell y'all my perspective on it. First of all, I totally agree with what she's saying um, because my kids right now are planning on leaving my house. It ain't no question about it. They, you know, well, I'm probably going to move out in about a year or when I turn this age and I'm probably going to go to New York. They planning on leaving me. And when my kids walk out of my house, you know who I'm going to be looking at? Teray Thomas Roberts. And if I'm going to be looking at him when they leave my house, I need to be looking at him now while they planning to leave my house. And so like, My father said something to us one time about our children that really revolutionized the way that we parented. And he said, I would not let a 10-year-old tell me how to parent. And what he said 
he was saying, you know, and the person wasn't 10, but I just threw that in there so y'all wouldn't know which one of my children he was talking about. But what he was saying in that moment was that like kids have so much feedback on how you could be a better parent, but they don't pay no bills and they don't have no responsibilities. And, you know, they just sitting up telling you, trying to doctor fill you through parenting. And you have to make some decisions, some hardline decisions about what works for your family and for your marriage that they may not always understand. By no means am I suggesting that we neglect the children, but I am certainly suggesting, certainly suggesting that we put our marriages first. So what y'all think about that? Uh, That's what I want to know. Sakina says, yes, she rescued. Felicia says, rescued just because she's Aisha. Vanika says, are the saints dragging Aisha? They better catch those gems she's dropping. Janita says, but doesn't the Bible say that? The Bible does say that. Um, The Bible does say that. But a lot of people thought that that was wrong. I don't. I was confused by that. Oh, Sharon says, I'm sorry, but my only lifelong relationship is with my kids. Some husbands don't last. I'm just saying. Ooh, child. So there we have it. That's what she said. All right. I I I agree with what she said. Um, I have had a relationship. Let me tell you something about husbands that don't last as someone who was on my second marriage. My first husband was not a relationship that God ordained or put together, though he made it work together for my good and hopefully the good of, you know, my ex-spouse. Um, I just can only speak on my good, praise the Lord. Um, having said that, I really do believe that when you find the person that God has placed on this earth for you, that it does last. That's the first thing that I want to say, is that a marriage that God has orchestrated to put together does last. That, that I want to say that. And I believe that as a foundation for a family, that the ideal situation is to have that relationship that God put together. If you're like me, and that's not how your story goes, then I think it is important that we realize that our previous hurt does not have to dictate our future joy. Because a lot of times we have bitterness after we have breakups or bitterness after relationships don't work out. And we do decide that, you know, it's just going to be me and my kids no matter what. Even if I'm in a relationship, my kids are going to be first. But I think a healthier perspective to consider is like, God, I only want the person that you have for me to be in my life and to be in my children's life. And to understand that putting your husband first doesn't mean that your children are last. It just means that like the priority and the health of my family depends on the two guiding forces. Like, listen, this is why we're putting our spouse first is because we are the two people who are leading this family. And as the two people who are leading this family, we have to have the same mind. We have to have the same heart. We have to have the same, the same Spirit, which means that we have to make sure that our connection is tight so that we can move this family in the direction of health and productivity and growth and promotion and wisdom and knowledge. And that can only come if we meet first. 
You know, if someone's going to make a big decision at an organization, they don't come and talk to the male person about the decision. They make a decision with the top executives, recognizing that that decision is ultimately going to affect the male person, but not allowing the male person to be a part of that decision. Because at the end of the day, the top people have an idea of where we're headed and why we have to do what we have to do. And I think that when we are in marriages and relationships where our children are dictating what's right and what's wrong. Not to say that their opinion doesn't matter, but when they are the guiding force, I don't think that that's healthy for the kids or for for the marriage. Um, But I want to hear what the delegation says about that. Erica says, rescue her. Jaleesa says, amen, pastor. It does last if it's God-ordained. Latoya says, our previous hurt should not dictate our present joy. That's the whole word right there. Maya says, you you better preach first, first lady. Robin says, I like how you said that. I don't think people understand that. Latricia says, who are we to challenge the good book? When you and your spouse are good, your whole house is good. So I agree, sis, and send the chop, chopper. Uh, Zanisha says, no need to rescue her. We snatched her up before she even hit the water. Come on, somebody. Nichelle says, you giving a word for someone like me who wants to get married again the right way. And I think that like, another thing is like, when you marry the person who God has for you, like that person is not coming into your life to replace or take advantage of your heart. So you don't have to choose between that person and your kids because you and that person have the same heart for your children. And because we have the same heart for it, that's like what, that was one of my biggest things when I was getting married again. It's like, I wanted to marry a man who would have the same heart for my children the way that I do, because I have some decisions I have to make. And I want to make sure that we are headed in the right direction with our kids. And I really do think about... um you know how fortunate I was that God brought Turay into my life because I didn't, I never, I've never ever felt like I had to choose ever. And if I felt like, you'll know if you're dating somebody who's going to make you have to choose, you'll know that when dating them, that ain't just going to spring up. And so look for those signs. If I feel torn, especially like some, there's a difference between being ignorant and inconsiderate. So like my husband may ask me to do something, but when I explain to him like why I'm uncomfortable with it or how it may affect the kids, and then he can come into my perspective and he goes, okay, well, let's make a different decision or let's find a way to still accomplish this same thing, but going a different route. Now, there are people who are inconsiderate and would be like, I don't care how it affects the kids. This is what I want, or this is what you should have done. And that is a red flag. And so know the difference between inconsiderate versus ignorant. And that is something that will come up in dating. Like, don't be trying, like, if you cannot go out because you don't have a babysitter, don't be like pawning off the kids on anybody who can, because those kids are a part of your responsibility. And if you cannot get on the phone and tell that young man of God, God, that you can't do something because you have children without him copying an attitude or being upset, then you don't need to marry him because that is a part of your life. That's a word for somebody because I don't even know who that is for. But a lot of times when we are single moms, we try to be the single moms who can also be single women's and the rea- single women's, mm, women's, 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 women's sing, um, who can also be a single women. And the reality is that that's not always our testimony. There are moments where I can't go out. Or for me, date night looks like, do you want to come over and play? 
play Monopoly with the kids because I can't have a sitter. And we have to make sure that we are speaking that truth from the very beginning. One, it sets a precedent for how important your relationship with your children are from the very beginning. Secondly, it allows you to see his response when you have to move into that parenting role. And if he can't understand that and he has children, you definitely might want to leave him alone because that means he probably not taking care of his kids because any parent understands that things come up, you have to move things around and adjust them. And so later for these people who want to date women who have children while they're not taking care of their own kids, because that means you're not going to really even understand the responsibilities involved in me taking care of my children. Now, that word was for free, and I don't know who that is for, but I do want to say that because it'd be a lot of us out here dating people who have children who don't take care of their children, but thinking that they're going to take care of our children. If you ain't taking care of your kids, then you ain't going to be able to take care of mine. Tisha says, sometimes kids act that way because it hasn't been a stable person in their life. They're used to seeing people come and go, so they may not take things serious. Okay, so let me say something else about that. And then I'm going to move on to the next rescue because I can tell that this is really becoming a thing. Um, I did not introduce my... Now, I had talked to a few... Talked, okay? Come on, 2000s. We was just talking. I had talked to a few people. I didn't let my children know anything about that. But when I began to feel and to have confirmation that Tere was the person that God had for me, I informed my children as early as I could within that knowing. How did I know that? Um, I... It's hard to—you got to know who God is first to identify your God relationships, okay? So you have to know what worship feels like. You have to know what the presence of God feels like so that when you are in connection with someone, there will be something about you being connected to that person, something about your conversation, something about the way that you all interact that reminds you of the presence of God. And so that's why it's really important to really have a relationship with God so that you can qualify who is in your life from God. You don't smell like God. You don't act like God. I don't feel like I was in the presence of a miracle when I was around you, so you not from God. But there will be moments when you connect with someone, maybe the way you've connected with my messages, where you feel like, you know what? That's got a little oil on it. That feels like something God brought into my life. The moment I knew that, I knew that as we were progressing and getting more serious, that I wanted my children to be introduced to them. I did not introduce them to anyone who I was just talking to because I did not want to have a rotation especially after having gone through a divorce, especially with my son who obviously went through the divorce with me. So I wanted to be careful with their heart. And so qualify who you're talking to. Don't just introduce anyone to your children. Cameron says, loving your child is putting your marriage slash self first. Your marriage is the first everything for them, the foundation that they will be looking for in their future partners. God spouse, children, everyone else. If we as parents are healthy, stable, or progressing, that's what truly takes that's what truly takes away from them. I agree. Spencer's just got married in October and are expecting our first child together. This is a whole word that my pastor and first lady told us at marriage counseling. You write on points. It's little things like, okay, and then I'm gonna move on for real. Okay. Little things like when I first had Ella, my, um, you know, obviously like a lot of new moms, like Ella co-sleeped with us. She was in the bed with us. And at first it was just so convenient because, you know, I just had the baby. I was breastfeeding it. And what was convenient ended up becoming like a wedge between my husband and I. And little things like, let's move Ella back into her bed. Okay. She's here. You're doing a lot better. Let's move her into her bed. Like, 
Why? Because we like to cuddle and I like to reach over and feel your feet and we like to watch movies together. And so now our whole world had shifted to make room for this newborn, which was great the first two or three weeks, but now we're three months into this and I feel like I don't even get to spend time with my husband in a way that produced this desire to even make this baby. And so I have to make sure that the baby is now adjusting into our world and not our world adjusting to the baby. Little things like that when they begin adding up become big things in a marriage and it's simple like you're like you just end up missing your husband and missing your spouse Uh, okay that's it that went on a bit more than I desired but that I really do think that that may be helping someone Uh, Tiffany says, I feel you on that. I have two boys and I didn't want them to think for a second that it's okay to have people coming in and out. I was the mom and the dad in my household. Sharika says, my husband refused to go to marriage counseling after several pleas to go. So now we are separated. I'm really sorry to hear that no matter how right or wrong the separation may be, it can be challenging. And I would just encourage you to seek your wholeness. And while you guys are separated, it doesn't have to be the end. You know, but I do think to have a goal on what a healthy marriage looks like and for you guys to come back to the table with a desire to both produce that outcome is going to be really, really important. Jessica says, yes, I felt so disconnected from my hubby after our son was born. It's hard. And like your body's going through all these changes and stuff, Chalice. Okay. All right. So there, we had some baby marriage talk. Uh, Okay. Let's move on to the next rescue. Saints, are you ready? Um, Our next rescue is one that's a bit controversial. And I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, but when I read the story, I kind of understood where the person was coming from. I would like to throw Erica Badu on the courts, okay, on the side of the delegation to see How you guys feel about this story says Erica Badu responded to criticism after she appeared to support R. Kelly on stage at a concert in Chicago on Saturday night. Her comments came amid abuse allegations that surround the R&B star following the broadcast of the Lifetime documentary Surviving R. Kelly earlier this month. In a video of the concert obtained by TMZ, She says, I'm sending a prayer right now for R, referring to R. Kelly. I hope he sees the light of day if he's done all those things that we've seen on TV and heard those ladies talk about. I hope he sees the light of day and comes forward. As the audience booed, Badu continued, but y'all say, F it, that's not love. That's not unconditional love. But what if one of the people that was assaulted by R. Kelly grows up to be an offender themselves? We going to crucify them? How do we do this? Just something to think about. She then went on to Twitter and kind of clarified her statements and says, I love you unconditionally. That doesn't mean I support your poor choices. I want healing for you and anyone you hurt as a result of you being hurt. Is that strange to you? That's all I've ever said. Anything else has been fabricated or taken out of context. I'm interested in seeing what you guys think about this. So far, I can tell you the delegation seems to be a little bit mixed. Tanja saying, rescue her. Ruthie says, nope, sis, we ain't doing it. Simone says, Badu. Lanika says, I I just throw, I throw her away. Um, Karen says, we're going to have to cancel her. Um, what y'all think? 
Ashley says she went about that all the wrong way. Brittany says, girl, no, we are not rescuing her. We are drowning her. And we're not going to drown her personally, but I'm just trying to see if we're going to rescue her. Um, do you guys want... Okay. Anisha just wants to know, can she swim first? Uh, can I tell y'all, like, if we are going to really be, like, about this rescuing people's life, Technically speaking, we have to take into consideration the serious weight of the following words, and that is hurt people hurt people. And I do think to see justice served with R. Kelly would, of course, be to see him. If he, you know, I I guess I have to say allegedly be so I don't get sued because y'all know I can't go to jail. I got too many kids and they need me. Allegedly, if he allegedly did all of those things, then we have to really take into consideration the reality that he needs help. Like, serious, serious help. And of course, his victims need help. Like, and of course, he needs to pay his price to society and to these victims. But I just wonder, are we so enraged by what he did that we would rather just exclusively see him punished and not punished and healed? And I just want to know what you guys think. Ashley Danielle says, as a victim of sexual abuse, that was not the way she should have handled that at all. She appeared to have more concern for him than the victims. Yes, I pray for healing for all involved, but how can you just start with the predator and make the prey an afterthought? Negative, nope, nah, sis. Okay, so Ashley brings up an interesting point. You know, perhaps her feelings have to be weighed first with empathy because it is challenging for anyone to receive wisdom when they don't first feel like there is empathy connected to it. Like, I hate feeling like I've done something wrong, but I feel better in owning my wrong when I feel like someone understands why I ended up in that situation. And so... Uh, did her statement like empathy. Kalindra says, I hear exactly what she's saying. She's sending him love because ultimately he is damaged and in need of love and healing. She didn't condone his actions, however, recognize he is a hurting soul. Simone says, rescue just because she didn't condone and she is showing some grace for the human. Lorreen says, sis, it's a rescue for me. She gave us an understanding of what she meant. Shakita says she can get rescued, but she got to put in work with these paddles. She got a rowboat emoji. She may enjoy it since it's um, since she is a naturalista. The journey may be totally therapeutic for her along the way. Janelle says, we can't act like we didn't enjoy R. Kelly before all of this. Yes, he was wrong, but I feel like the only way he will. The only way he will. What, child? Get help. Did you hit, did you hit sin too soon? Zanisha says, so are we not rescuing her because she wanted to pray for him? I'm confused, saints. I think the I think to I think her name was Ashley. I can't remember, but I think to her point is that like it just didn't feel like there was enough empathy shown for the victims. And maybe she didn't get a chance to express the full empathy for the victims because she was just looking at how you know, demonized he has become. And she just wanted to offer an opinion in that quick little soundbite. But I do think that there is something to say to saying, 
I am terribly upset that they've experienced this. I think it's terrible what has been happened. What's happened, I think a thorough investigation should take place and anyone involved should be brought to justice. And I also think that we have to get him that level of help and healing that he needs in order to make sure that this never happens again. Karen says, all right, all right, we can rescue her sheesh, but she's going to need a talking to when she gets in the boat. It's, uh, you know, at the end of the, the end of the day, I think it's all about empathy. And I, I didn't, I was a lot, the devil. I was a lot like you all where I felt like, you know, there's nothing wrong with what she says, but I'm not a survivor of sexual abuse. And having heard from a survivor of sexual abuse, I think that the reason why it caused a lot of uproar is because there just wasn't empathy attached to that call to heal and pray for him. And I, my perspective has changed a bit on that. I, I do see how that can be hurtful because you're immediately, you know, protecting, I guess, the offender instead of first consoling the victims. And I can see how that's problematic. Belle says, in that moment, she wanted to speak. She should have just joined Mind Your Business Ministries. The doors are always open. The doors are always open. Sandra says she was just lifting him up in prayer to God. Only God can deliver him for sure. Uh, Ruthie says we can pray for her, sis, but rescue, I don't think so. So it sounds like we're going to be split down the middle on this one. Um, so I think that when we are split down the middle, we should send a life jacket. Can we give a life jacket? Lauren Cobb says, every time something like this happens, we embrace the victims and demonize the offender. No one cares that the offender needs to be healed and restored also. This will be the last one I read on this one. Monica says we can send her the um, helicopter, but Monica is from Dallas. Badu is from Dallas. I'm from Dallas. There's a little synergy happening there. Kalindra says, it's funny that we've known for years that R. Kelly was this person now because it's a documentary. The world is paying attention. You know, Kalindra, I, I agree with you because... There were a lot of things in the documentary that I did not know. There were some things that I knew, but I don't feel like I took seriously enough. But I think that the timing of this documentary is so crucial because the people who enjoyed R. Kelly's music were not at an age where they fully understood the gravity of what he was doing. Because like I mentioned in the first podcast of this season, is that so many of us were so intoxicated by the music and the beats and what the music provoked down on the inside of us and acting out the music that we didn't really think as consciously as we think now. I think a lot of those people are now adults with families and children who see the world differently. And I think the timing of this documentary has really been, you know, it's unfortunate that it took so long for us to come to this place of consciousness. But I also think that it's at a pivotal time because it's also making us reassess all of the things that we ingested as we were listening to this music that really was the soundtrack to a lot of our sexual identity and our and our sexual you know, journey through life, you know? And so what does that say about me? But I totally agree with you. A lot of those things were there. Okay, Nisha says we can do a life jacket. Leslie says, yeah, life jacket is all right with me. Brittany says, okay, we can rescue her, but you can't help anyone who thinks you're the problem. R. Kelly first needs to realize that he is wrong before he's able to get help. That's for sure. Okay, all right, okay. 
It seems like we're going to do a life jacket. Chris Kirsten says life jacket sounds good. All right. So we rescued, well, we moved um, our delegation rescue, my mentee slash mentor, into the Hail Mary category. We rescued Aisha and we also rescued Erica Badu. I'm going to tell y'all right now, and I'm going to just, just say right now, a lot of y'all have been DMing me about rescuing people that I don't feel qualified to rescue. And part of the reason why I don't feel qualified to rescue is just because I really don't know what's going on. And I am concerned that if I rescue this person in general, I think some of you all know who I'm talking about, and if you don't, that's fine, that if I rescue this person, that it is actually going to become like a thing because I put my name on it and I don't know what's happening and I don't want to say anything that's going to make things worse or better. So that is my statement on that. All right. Latoya says, that was a good word, Sarah, but I did almost faint when homegirl says we're going to drown her. I'm sorry that tickled me. Yeah, we don't actually do the drowning. We just don't drop the life jackets sometimes. Um, amen. Okay, so no, uh, they don't, y'all don't know who I'm talking about. That's fine. Somebody that, yes, Kalindra knows. Kalindra Thompson knows. I just don't know what to say or how to say it. And so I'm just going to, I just don't, I don't know what to say. So, all right, child. <laughs> Hail Mary. Moving on. Do y'all want to talk about Hail Mary? Um. Okay. So, Hail Mary is a moment in our show where we commend people who have done incredible things in the news. And we try and take a moment to just like, look at things that have been... I'm reading the Facebook comments because everybody didn't caught on to what is happening in the world today. Okay. Um, all right. So, listen. All right, saints. Let's move on to Hail Mary. Okay. First of all, this Hail Mary is someone who is just going down in the books because, wow. Um, this is a former NFL player. Did you guys see this story? The ex-NFL player, Tony Beckham, left his Florida home Monday morning. He says he encountered a disturbing sight. A man was allegedly peering into his teenage daughter's bedroom window and masturbating. I couldn't believe it. I was like, is this for real? The former NFL player told the station, I thought I was getting punked. It took a moment for Beckham to realize that the man was alleged what the man was allegedly doing. Subsequently, he yelled at the suspect who police have identified as Joffrey Cassidy. According to a spokesperson for the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office who told people the man tried to flee from Beckham's home, but Beckham, a former cornerback for the Detroit Lions and Tennessee Titans, chased down the suspect. He cryptically told WPBF he had a good conversation with the man who, according to the network, suffered broken bones in his face. Did y'all see that? So, this father 
saw a young man peering into the w- the window of his teenage daughter's bedroom, masturbating. And he not only detained him until police showed up, but he gave he had a nice little conversation with him. And can I tell y'all something? Violence is never the answer until it is. Um, I want y'all to get that down in your spirit. Violence is never the answer until it is. And when I say that he found a way to find a way, Anisha says, well, he gets a Hail Mary from me. Vanya says, I did not see that, but can you say, let me tell you about my husband, Teray Thomas Roberts. Oh, goodness. There is not a thing you could have done in that moment to get him off of his daughter. I want to give him a Hail Joseph, okay? Because we have to say Hail Joseph when a man does something right. He gave him the business. And I think that there is something incredible about that. Ashley Roberts says, but when it comes to the kids, it is. Drea says he had a black eye and cut lip too. He did. He let him have it, okay? Carolyn says violence is never the answer until it is now. I want y'all to I want y'all to know this. It's never the answer until it is. It's never the answer. But when you there there is a line that you can cross, okay? And he crossed that line and he got dealt with. So we're going to give a hell Joseph to this former NFL player, Tony Beckham, for having that nice little conversation with that um, sick and disturbed man. The next Hail Mary that we have is coming from North Carolina. Sharice Richardson, 28. She was driving to pick up her daughter from daycare when she saw flashing lights Monday night. After she slowed down, she noticed something wasn't right. She saw that an officer had been shot in the face and was bleeding profusely. It was weird, Richardson told the local news. You're sitting there with someone that is supposed to protect you, and he's down, but you've got to do something. Attending to the officer, Richardson called 911. She used gauze she found in his patrol call to staunch the bleeding and prayed over her. Come on, prayer over her until EMT arrived. It crossed her mind that the suspect could return, but instead of being afraid, she said she relied on her faith. I feel the Holy Ghost. I did not read this story, but my girl pushed through with a word. She says, I'm just very, very thankful. I had him in my prayers. I feel like God put me there on that road for a reason. Can we insert a slow clap here? Like a real slow clap. Because my goodness today, hail Mary to this incredible woman who was in the right place at the right time, okay? Because... Sherelle says, yes, she said God placed her there. Yes, she said that she was there for a reason. And, you know, I love stories like this because, you know, there are so many stories that we hear about police officers that aren't always highlighted in the best light. And I think to see a story where an officer is in need and to have a citizen, because let me tell you something, when your job is to be there for everyone else, like you never take into account, like if something happens to me, are the people who I am protecting going to be able to protect me in return? And I think that this has got to be, 
obviously a divine sign to him and to all of us who spend our lives investing in other people. Let me tell you, because let me tell you, when you spend your life investing in other people, you do... You just don't know if when you are in need, whether or not they will invest back into you. And I think that this story is incredible. And I'm just reminded even last week when so many of you guys like sent me DMs and was loving on me and like had me about crying because like my whole life is spent thinking of ways that I can invest into the world to make the world a better place. I don't go into the world seeing how the world can make me better. And yet I still have moments where I am in need. And to see that, you know, people will show up on show up for you is so reassuring. And I think that this is an incredible story for him and hopefully encouragement to somebody out there. You know, you may be pouring, 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 and pouring of yourself, but just know that God always sends someone to fill up your cup and to protect you when you are in need. What y'all say about that? Denise says, that's a whole shout. Shanice says, wow, I don't know if I could have done the same. I I, I would have. I think I would have done the same just because, you know, to see somebody hurt and I just would have been like, let me help. Let me do what I can. Jaleesa says, that's brave. Lauren says, it takes a village. Priscilla says, that's a modern day Samaritan for sure. Chanel says, I love when I get to, hey child. She says she love when she gets to tune in. Felicia says, I think I read that she's a nurse, so it's in her instinct to help. Yeah, she was a nurse. Um, it's easy to say, like, I don't know that I would have done the same, but when you sit up there looking at somebody bleeding out and you could help them, I think it probably changes how you feel in the moment. I also want to give a shout out to the Faith Center where Bishop Henry Fernandez is pastor. They raised over $30,000 for unpaid government workers. As we know, our government is shut down and continues to be shut down. I read a story earlier that maybe they've come up with a bipartisan deal that will allow for the government to open up, which I hope is true and comes to fruition immediately because this is not right the way people have been without. So Charlotte says, can I give you a Hail Mary? Because usually I'm at work and I miss the woman involved congregation and service. I love you so much. I don't, we don't give me Hail Marys because I'm just out here living my best life and trying to be like y'all when I grow up. Drew says, that is awesome. I think I would have done the same too. Yeah, somebody bleed now. I've never been in that situation, but I would have tried so Jaleesa says, many, many people are suffering due to this shutdown. Absolutely. And to see the Faith Center, and I've heard a lot of churches have been able to do this. My husband and I have um, want, desired to sponsor 10 families, and we've been working with our church to figure out how we can sponsor 10 families during the government shutdown. But I love this. They collected, it was like $33,000, and they gave $3,700 to each worker. I think they had nine people who were affected by the government shutdown. And $3,700, honey, will get you through. It may not be what they were making, but $3,700 will get you through. Mess around, have groceries, gas, lights, cell phone. $3,700 will, what kind of, oh, oh, my husband just logged in. Jeray P.T. Roberts, how you doing? How you doing? That's how you got to talk. You got to change your voice up when your man come in. How you doing? Hey, baby. Jaquita says, Pastor P.T. in the building. Lauren says, I got mine in Michigan and field and got accepted. Yes. Jessica says, a local barbershop in my area is offering free haircuts to federal employees. Candace says, finally, I made it to Facebook Live. So yes, the Faith Center 
was my Hail Mary. I also want to give a shout out to Rihanna because Rihanna is out here doing the thing. She is going to create a luxury brand with Louis Vuitton, making her the first Black woman to do so. Let me tell you something. Y'all keep asking Rihanna about albums and when she wants to get in the studio and give us that that album, that is totally her business. We are part of Mind Your Business Ministry, so we don't have no we don't have no say so about when she go into that studio. But what I do want you to know is that Rihanna is out here minding her business, okay? And that's why she don't have time for us to be minding her business for her. We asking her about an album, and she's talking to Louis Vuitton. I wish y'all would ask me to pwn the replay right now and I'm on the phone with Mr. Vuitton trying to get you a purse, okay? Trying to secure a bag for you. Y'all want to go to the club? I'm trying to create legacy for my family. What y'all need a Rihanna album for so y'all can work out harder? So y'all can go to the club? Why y'all need a Rihanna album? Rihanna is out here trying to make her music. She's trying to do her... um beauty stuff, her her makeup line, her fashion line. She got stuff to do besides y'all sitting up here getting your little, you're getting your little, y'all don't twerk no more because you've been saved and sanctified, but y'all want to get your little shimmy going. And I'm, Rihanna's trying to get her shmoney, okay? So um, we're going to give a Hail Mary to Rihanna because, wow. First, first of all, Louis Vuitton, and this is, let me tell you something about what I enjoyed about this story. Because she's, she had a Puma clothing line. I know she did the Fenty thing. But all I'm saying is that like she did not necessarily go for Louis Vuitton from the onset. Maybe that was always in her mind, but she started where she was. And she allowed what she, where she was to speak so loudly that it paved room for where she was headed. And so I know some of us have big lofty goals that seem so out of reach, and maybe they are out of reach, but maybe they're only out of reach so that we can start working where we are perfectly now. And as we work where we are, we can get to where we're going. But we can be so frustrated that we aren't where we want to be that we don't work where we are. Child, work where you are now to get to where you're going. That's what I would like to say unto you right now, okay? Uh, Sherelle says she putting on for, she is putting on for the culture. Let me tell you something. I saw that and I got on out of the bed and got my life together. I said, let me go ahead and get my life together because if she is out here making moves and she is doing it her way, I got kingdom moves to make. I need to get up and get to going so that I can make room for this here Lord and Savior to be declared in every place, okay? So how about that? Elise says, your voice has touched me all the way in the UK. Thank, hey, child. Thank you. Okay. All right. So those are all the Hail Marys. Now we're going to move to our advice. The saints have been in my DMs and they have questions. And we as the delegation must come together and we have to help them get their lives. Okay. This first question came through and I really wanted to answer it because I feel like I get this question a lot and I just had a few opinions about it. So it says, hello, I watch your videos. You're absolutely amazing. Thank you for all you do. I'm sure you have a million things going. If you ever did get the chance, I'd love to know, how does one become a speaker? I feel called to speak, just wondering how the initial step goes. Any advice? Thanks. Then she says, in a mega church type setting. So when I got this question, I thought to myself, I said, self, these are two separate questions and I'm going to answer them separately. The first question about how do you become a speaker, 
Um, I'm just going to tell you my story and the delegation is going to chime in with their opinions and we're going to all work this thing out together. I did not want to become a speaker. I kind of stumbled into it. And as I recognized that there was an anointing on that stumble, ooh, that's a word. When I realized that there was an anointing on that stumble, I decided that I needed to perfect that stumble from a stumble into a confident walk with the Lord. Amen. So this is what I'm going to say. Um, I had to start speaking where I was. I didn't Okay, so I'll just tell you my story very quickly. So I was working for my parents' women's ministry in an administrative capacity. Everything I did had to do with computers, printing things, organizing things, booking things, creating schedules, agendas, things of that nature. No speaking at all involved. I get nervous when I speak. I still get nervous when I speak. I have to like overcome that and pray and remind myself about being anointed and who God has called me to be. I have to go through a process to get ready to speak. Having said that, um, when I began speaking, it would be little things like announcements at the, you know, women's meeting or, you know, they eventually convinced me after like a year and a half of being there if I would do a prayer over lunch. And when I say God is good, God is great, and we thank Him for our play, that was the prayer that I have for the saints. And, um, but what I noticed is that like, my desire to not speak was really rooted in fear and insecurity. And I didn't want to be a person who was governed by fear and insecurity. And so I exercised my ability to speak confidently, just relaying information, basic information about the day in the program. And eventually, as I got more confident with that, I began to speak about other things. Um, you can't just like, I think you just have to speak where you are. If you desire to be a speaker, you can't make your speaking about a stage. You can't make your speaking about a setting. If you are a speaker, you are a speaker at CVS. If you are a speaker, you are a, a speaker in small groups. You are a speaker in the choir ministry. You are a speaker in a megachurch setting. You are a speaker in a stadium. But you can't make whether or not you are effective as a speaker about whether or not you get invited somewhere or whether or not you're speaking to a certain amount of people because that means that you're speaking less about about less for yourself, less about them. Like it's not about them. It's more about you feeling validated in your gifting as a speaker when really what makes us effective as a speaker is when we're able to use our voice to help someone, anybody, not whether or not we're speaking to millions or thousands. So I really do think that if you feel called to be a speaker, you know, whether that's getting involved in a small group, you know, I want to be a leader of a small group. I want to be able to relay information to people. There used to be clubs like Toastmasters. I don't know if they're still around, but I want to be in Toastmasters. I want to begin serving somewhere and exercising my voice when needed, which means that I may be serving in the children's ministry and speaking to the kids when needed. Like, don't make it, don't go into serving with an agenda. Just say like, God, any way you use me, um, I'll be satisfied. And if you create an opportunity for me to exercise my voice in this capacity, then I will be glad to use it. Having said that, as it relates to me becoming a speaker in a megachurch setting, my father is a pastor of a megachurch. 
So as I graduated from speaking at the women's ministry and then speaking maybe to the youth ministry, it just continued to accelerate until, you know, that's where I was. And I will tell you this, you know, it would be easy to say, wow, you know, she started speaking on a mega church level pretty early on. And that's really cool. The only other thing about that, though, is that when you start speaking on that level, there's not a lot of room for mistakes because you instantly get haters and you instantly get celebrators. If you are still learning your gifts and your talents, if you're still figuring out how to own a room or your voice is scratchy and you haven't figured out how to keep your breath throughout the whole thing and then people are telling you your voice is irritating or when you yell, this happens to me, like you are just cast out for everyone to see early on. So whatever level you are currently on, recognize that it is a training ground for a specific purpose so that you can learn how to put your sermon together properly, or you can learn how to get your thoughts together in a way that they're streamlined and you're not just rambling. Enjoy the ability to practice on a level where you are not exposed to everyone because there will come a moment when you are completely exposed and you're going to want to feel confident because you don't want to feel like you just got there overnight. So I'm grateful in hindsight for the women's ministry, for the youth ministries, for my husband putting me on blast at the Potter's House at 1LA and asking me to pray at the end of a service when I wasn't confident praying in front of people because it seemed like little things in the moment. But now when I am able to speak in arenas or in stadiums, I do so with the confidence of saying, I was nervous when I did it at the women's ministry and I did it anyway and God showed up. I pushed, he pulled, come on somebody. And so I carry that with me. But I want to see what Facebook Live is saying. Uh, Alessandria says, Mama Joyce Meyer says that about her journey. Speak and work and start where God places you. Speak small and then God will take you to the next level. Jerry says, Toastmasters is still around. Toastmasters is a public speaking group, so you can definitely get with them so you can you know, start to exercise, exercise your voice. Deidre says, yes, Toastmasters is still around. Spence Ray says, I'd be so nervous to even testify at church because I'm nervous about what I sound like and what people think of me when I speak. I'll tell you one other tip that has really helped me is like when we make speaking about how we feel, it makes us less effective because we're worried about how we sound. We're worried about whether or not it made sense. We're worried about whether we touched people and whether we were effective. And so when we walk off of the pulpit or we walk off of the stage, we end up feeling insecure because we made that moment about us. But when we go into it and it's not about us, it's about what we have to say. It's about what those people need to receive. Then you have removed yourself from the equation and you have made your content more important than your presentation. And when your content becomes more important than your presentation, then you can present with confidence because you're sure of your content. And so the goal when speaking is always to be sure of your content. I don't get up and speak and just decide that I'm going to just like, I'm just going here and see what happens. I'm just wing it when I, I, the, I, I don't wing it. When I get on there, when I get in that pulpit, I have something to say. When I get up in front of people, I have something to say. I am not here to tickle your ears. I am not here to entertain you. I am up here because I prayed, I pressed in, I got into my word, and I have something that I believe is going to help you. And that's why I can deliver it the way that I deliver it because I am not confident in who I am or how I look or how it's going to come out. I'm not confident about any of those things. What I am confident about is my content. So how about that? 
Natasha says, that's a word, Kimberly said, amen. Jaleesa says, thank you, Sarah, for your honesty. And Dominique says, well, that's a word. Preparation is key. Yolanda says, girl, you're going to make me shout in this restaurant. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. I'm nervous, but I know that I have something to say. Okay, one last question. Then we're going to shut this wagon down, okay? Um, I have two questions. One is about a mother and daughter situation, and another one is about someone who has experienced a shift in their relationship with God. And another one is just a straight-up relationship question. What y'all want to hear? What y'all want to hear? We want to do mother and daughter. Do we want to do relationship? And do we want to do relationship with God? First person who comment is going to win what the next question is. I'm waiting. The saints is still full off that little word that came from the Lord. Okay. First thing I saw was shift. Somebody wants to talk about the shift in their relationship with God. So let's pull up that question. Child, I just had it and I can't find it. Okay, here it is. It says, Pastor Sarah, a word of advice, please, when you get a chance. So I'm 25 and will be graduating nursing school in May, which means I'm under a lot of stress, but your podcast have really helped. My question is, I can feel a shift in my spirit, but can't pinpoint the source. How do I adapt to change? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, whenever we are about to embark upon a life transition that we are aware of, it does shift our spirit and our energy because basically when I was reading your message, what I sense is that you're walking into unknown territory. And in order to walk into that unknown territory, you also have to slay a good life in the process. And so I think the anxiety of that shift, the uncertainty of that shift begins to weigh on us in a way that can really um, make us feel like we're out of sync with God. And the reality is that like God doesn't move, but He does grow us in a way that forces us to find Him in a deeper way. And I think that what you have to do is first acknowledge, you, this, you have to invite God into that area of your life. Whenever we feel like a shift from God, like God is still, you have to, I'm trying to get my words right so I can say it the way I see it, as I say when I'm preaching all the time. But you have to invite God into this process with you. It's gonna sound silly, but like God doesn't know this, God knows this version of you, but you have to invite him to inform you of who this version of you is. Like a lot of times we can become content, like God knew you as a college student, but God is about to show you who you are as a graduate and as a nurse and as a person who was no longer in school. And we have to invite him over and over again. I think that's like the biggest thing that you can take away from this advice. And I can't wait to hear what the delegate 
delegation says, you have to be willing to invite God into the new areas of your life. You know how we have free will and that, you know, he's not going to force himself upon us. If you are not intentional about inviting God into your growth and into your development, then there are moments when we will feel out, out of sync. And I think that that constant need to invite God into those areas of our life is how we stay humble before him. And it's also how we can uh, have insurance and assurance that he's going to be with us because I have invited him into this process. A lot of times we'll feel like God's not with me. I just moved. I don't feel like he's with me. I just got this job. I don't feel like he's with me. But have you been intentional about inviting him into it? And by inviting him, I mean literally saying like, God, this is how I feel. This is how my life is changing. And I need your presence over this. I need to feel your vision for my life so that I can understand what decisions to make and what decisions not to make. And that constant need to invite him. I have to constantly invite God into Woman Evolve. Because like, you know, I can be bumping my gums or like, you know, picking out clothes. And every now and then, like if I feel like a grace has moved off of something, like God, am I still supposed to be doing the podcast? I have a lot of fun. We get a lot of girl time out of it, but am I clowning? (laughs) Do I need to be more serious? And I invite God into that and God will send me a confirmation. It'll be as simple as someone's DM that's like, you know, I've been going through depression and, and suicidal thoughts, but I was listening to your podcast today and I felt like I wasn't alone. I laughed in a way that I haven't laughed in a long time. And so when I invite God to, it really, it comes down to laying it at the altar. When I lay it at the altar, I say, God, this is my Abraham and Isaac moment. I am inviting you to take away anything that's in my life, any feelings, any emotions, any plans that I have that are not of you. And I will only pick it back up if you show me that this is for for me and for the plan that you have for my life. And I want to encourage you to consider doing that as you transition. It's to lay everything at the altar. God, I've got stress. I've got anxiety. I've got all of these different concerns about what's next and where to apply and what to do. And and I just want to lay this at the altar. And I only want to pick up what looks like you. I only want to pick up what's going to help me get to that next version of who I am. Because you're really in this cocoon season. And as you're in this cocoon season, you have to be willing to let go of what you thought you knew about yourself so that you can embrace what God has been knowing about you. Emily says, this is so on point for me. Thank you. Meg says, this is exactly what I need to do right now. Surrender. Denise Tart says, thank you for this word right here because that just blessed me in the government shutdown. Amen. Brittany says, yes, he already knows your needs and will supply them. Ruthie says, we need to learn to ask him to reveal us to ourselves in every season. Yeah, because God has a perspective on who you are even when you don't know. And God can give you a perspective on who you are. Like you think it's about school. It might be about a relationship where you need to have a conversation that you just put to the side. It may be about your time management. Like you, who knows? But until you invite him into the process, it's challenging for us to see what it's really about. And um, I understand you're under a lot of stress. And so I also want to encourage you to have some self-care. Sometimes you got to close the books and you got to take 15, 20 minutes a day away and to really center yourself, to have some time with God, to have some time with yourself, to clean up, okay, to go and get your nails done and feel like a woman again. So then you can just get your life together. So, okay. 
I just want to make sure that we got everything from the delegation. Krista Hayes says, I don't go many places. I'm not invited. Why would God? That's a word, sis. Brittany Wallace says, God will never send you somewhere where he won't sustain you. Amen. Danielle says, yes, involving God is the secret sauce to gaining a sober perspective. Okay, child. So it's snack time in the sanctuary. And snack time is when we take a moment and I just share with you what I believe God has been saying to me and I pray that it blesses you. So here's the thing. This morning I woke up and I, and my mom was stayed on Jesus. Okay, no, this morning I woke up and I just had this peace and I couldn't figure out what that peace was about because I have so many responsibilities. And honestly, I have a really busy day. And most of the time I wake up in this rhythm, in this get stuff done rhythm. Like my husband and I were in Miami over the weekend and let me tell you something, okay? This one I'm going to tell y'all, and it's all going to tie into my snack. My husband and I were in Miami this weekend. We got to preach at the Girlfriends Conference at Trinity Miami Church, and it was just such an incredible time for so many reasons. Sunday night, I did the closing session, and it just felt different for me. It, You know, God definitely met us there. It was you know, an incredible experience. It's always weird when I talk about like me preaching because I never want to make it seem like, you know, like self-grandizing, I guess. But it was like God really moved in the room, like in a way that was almost like every time I preach, it's kind of like an out-of-body experience for me because I literally don't have anything to do with what happens up there. God just like takes control and from there it just happens. But this felt different in a way. And I'll tell you, before I spoke, I prayed and, you know, I was asking God what I needed to speak about. And incidentally, there was this message called um, Wild Woman that I preached at Woman Evolve. But I just kept hearing God tell me, like, these people, they need to go wild. They need to go wild for my glory. They need to break out of this and they need to break out of that and establish my kingdom here and, you know, to show Miami who the God of Miami is. It's not partying. It's not this. It's not that. The God of Miami show them who they are. And I just felt that so heavily. And I have never, I don't feel like I've ever gotten up with such focus on breaking through a stronghold and a barrier that I believed existed in the room. And then to see the immediate impact of that was just like a thing for me. And so I've just been kind of like processing what that was and how it happened. And this morning, I just woke up with this peace and this like fulfillment. But now that I'm talking it out with you guys, I really feel like what I am experiencing is settling into the next level of authority that this season requires. And there will be a moment in all of our lives where we are exercising the authority. And by exercising, I literally mean like we're just trying to figure it out. We're like, you know, seeing which muscles it's going to use, which, you know, uh, which of our strengths it's going to use. I'm going to have to communicate more. I'm going to have to calculate differently. Like I'm exercising this new level of authority. And then there comes this time where you're no longer exercising it because you have adapted to that authority. 
authority. And when you adapt to that level of authority, you have a different level of confidence when you wake up each and every morning because you literally start walking in this new sense of power. And I don't mean like this self-egotistical power that you know, is celebrated in culture, but this power literally we're like no weapon on this level is going to prosper against me because I know the weapons before didn't prosper, but now I'm in a new level and I don't know what the weapons are and I don't know who I am as a result of it. But when you walk into this next dimension, and I feel this strongly for whoever you are and wherever you are, that you have made some hardline decisions this year about who you are, who you're going to become, and the decisions that it's going to take for you to get there. And when you first made those decisions, it felt awkward and uncomfortable. But I believe prophetically, and I'm not trying to preach, but here I am anyway. I just believe prophetically that you are coming to a place where what you were once trying on is about to become your norm, and that you're going to begin walking in what you were just testing out. And that as you continue to to really get comfortable and that walk, of course, God's going to grow you and increase you. But the three words that I heard for this podcast is rest in it. I don't know who you are. Um, and you just might be one person on the other side of this like me. But I really do believe that we are being called to rest in this new season of authority. So when I woke up this morning, I had a lot of things to do. I had a lot of responsibilities, but for some reason, I was just like, I had my tea. I was floating around the house in my robe. I was taking my time washing my face. And I was like, why don't you feel this pressure and anxiety? And I realized I don't feel the pressure and anxiety because I am in control of my life. I can make decisions that will determine the pace and rhythm of my life. And so I I do not have to cave into this rhythm of getting things done a certain way, what I have to do is first make sure that I'm centered and okay so that everything that happens from here can flow with ease and not anxiety. Now, I might be stressed out tomorrow. I don't know. And I might listen to this podcast to get me through. But what I know for sure is that I am walking in something differently, that that thing is not temporary. It is the new reality for where I am and that I am going to govern my life by it. That means that even if I revert and backslide and start shrinking, that I'm going to drag my old raggedy ways into my new power and authority. And I plan on doing that over and over again until I keep evolving and changing and transforming transforming and being renewed into the vision God and God had in mind when he brought me into this world. So how about that? Ruthie says, since we need to update the on the road section on WeTV from Night in the Wild to Miami. So I got you. Um, we're going to upload it this week. We have to wait for them to like get us the, the footage and then we'll upload it. Tisha says, that's my biggest problem. I don't rest. Gotta gotta let God handle it. Yeah. And like trust that you have the ability to handle it. And there may be like practical things that you have to do to rest. You may need to make a list so that you have a task and that you don't feel like you're just waiting for things to be thrown at you. But the other part of it is you may just have to be have some days where you're like, I'll get to it when I get to it. Right now, I'm going to take care of myself. And when it's time for me to turn it on, I'll turn it on. But right now, I need to turn down. And there's nothing wrong with turning down. In a world full of people who want to turn up, be the saint who don't mind turning down. Come on, somebody, and bless him. Alicia says, my marriage that I know wasn't God-ordained is ending, and I've been in this odd place. Thank you for that word. Alicia, I am so sorry 
that you are experiencing the painful, painful ending of a marriage because whether or not it was God-ordained doesn't change whether or not that it was hurting. And I am going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you and praying that God will just reveal to you the lessons that that marriage carried. Even if it wasn't God-ordained, there are God lessons in that. And I pray that you get each and every one of them so much so that when you look back, you say to yourself, it was hard, but I'm glad that it happened because it made me better as a result of it. Ashley says, thank you for this. Thank you. Tony said, great snack. I'm so happy I finally made it. The live says, Lauren, Tiffany, and Catherine says, yes. All right, child, listen. All right, y'all know what it is. It's time for us to shut this buggy down, okay? But first, I got to give you a prayer, okay? God, oof, child, you are more faithful than we deserve, and you have allowed us time after time to reintroduce ourselves to the world and to say that was the old me, but this is the new me. And as we walk into our newness and as we embrace this next level identity of who we are, God, I just ask that you would give us confidence, that you would give us peace. God, everything that is for us and everyone that is for us in this season, attract them to us. And anyone that would dare slow us down or change our momentum, God, we ask that you would subtract them from this season so that the only thing that stands in our life is that which is going to help us and that which we can help become better. So God, we just surrender our lives, our will, our plans for our life over to you. And we won't pick it up unless you say pick it back up. So God... We're open. Our hearts are ready. Our mind is ready. Send us signs. Send us confirmation that lets us know we're on the right track. And in the meantime, let joy be our portion. Let peace be our inheritance. And let my girls be safe until we rest again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.